quickly to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. And then I want you to just mark that spot. And I want you to mark the place also. Psalms chapter 100. Hebrews 13. At this time the young people can be dismissed for children's church. We won't be long because we're already in Are you with me in Hebrews chapter 13? Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15. The Bible says, and if you don't mind, go ahead and stand for the reading of the word today. We won't be long in reading the scripture. The Bible says in chapter number 13, verse number 15, we're just going to read the one key verse there. It says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 100. We're going to read the entirety of the chapter. Bible says in verse number one, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you today that we, that we can be thankful. Lord, and I pray that you would give us a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, in this season, Lord, when things become to get, begin to get so busy, God, that you would stop us. And make us recognize the great and wonderful gift that you have given unto us. Lord, we honor you in this place by the reading of your word. And God, we ask that you would bring increase to the reading of your word right now. Lord, that you would anoint my voice. God, that you would anoint every word that I say. That it wouldn't fall on deaf ears, God, but it would accomplish the thing that it set out to do. Lord, we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated for just a few more moments. I want to read also just one key scripture as you're sitting down. Philippians verse number, uh, chapter number four, verse number six says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, worry for nothing, be anxious for nothing, one of the other versions says. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, giving thanksgiving to the Lord. Let your requests 
be made known. You know, Thanksgiving, of course, is right around the corner. And I had uh, a, a different sermon that I was that I was going to preach this morning. And and the Lord laid on my heart last night just a simple message. And and, you know, honestly, I don't know that there's anything today that I'm going to say that is so new revelation or profound. But it needs to be said nonetheless in the house as we get ready for this Thanksgiving season. Uh, Thanksgiving being right around the corner, I went ahead and did a history lesson last night just to just to recollect on what Thanksgiving is all about. And and essentially, it's uh, many of you will know this, but some won't, that it's about a group of pilgrims that were living under religious tyranny in England. And they wanted to be able to praise God. They took the Sermon on the Mount literally. When Jesus said, you don't take a light and hide it under a bushel, but you let it shine so that all could see. He said, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so these pilgrims, they they said, we need to do that literally. We need to go somewhere where we can let our light so shine before men. And they couldn't do that where they were at. And so they asked to be able to go to this new land called America. And they had to buy a, a rights to be able to colonize an area in America. And so they had to they had to use seven years of labor in order to contract the use of two ships and wound up only getting to use one ship known as the Mayflower. They worked for seven years labor to be able to use that one ship to come across the Atlantic Ocean. And 102 people got on the Mayflower. And they began to go across and they, they started off in July and because of all the turning back and, and going back and forth to England because of the other ship problems, they didn't arrive in to America until the winter time of 1620. The winter time. They left in July and arrived in America in the dead of winter at Plymouth Rock in 1620. They had been back and forth and back and forth, but their last voyage was 60 days at sea, 60 to 65 days that they'd spent at sea. And in that time, they lost one member. One member was overboard. And then they actually gained a member because one child was born on the Mayflower. And they called his name Oceana. But, you know, the, the crazy thing is he lived... But he only lived seven years. He died at the age of seven in the new American colony because times were so hard. They arrived in the dead of winter at the area known as Plymouth, Plymouth Rock. They lived on the Mayflower while they sent crews in each day to build the new colony. They lived on the boats. And in March of 2000, uh, I'm sorry, of 1621, they finished the colony. The first members, of the first members, there was 102 of them that originally got on the boat. By that March, 47 of them had perished. 47. Almost half were gone. That, that winter, an Indian named Squanto came and greeted them in an English tongue. And they didn't know how he knew English, but he had actually been brought to England and was, was a slave for several years, and that's how he learned English. And yet he didn't have bitterness toward English people, and he, began, he helped them make a peace treaty with the natives so that they didn't get attacked and so that they could teach each other the
the ways and methods of farming. History lesson. I know you didn't come to church for a history lesson. In the, in the autumn months following, Quanto had taught them how to plant corn, and he taught them how to get maple from the trees. And in that autumn that was following, they had this great harvest. They had a great time of harvest. It was the first time that they had anything good to happen since they had arrived at this new land. And so the governor of the, of the pilgrims declared a time of thanksgiving. And so for three days, the pilgrims called together this Native American tribe to meet with them. And the 50-some-odd pilgrims and, and right at 90 Indians joined together. And for three days, they feasted. For three days, they gave thanksgiving to God. Even when everything had been stacked against him. You know, I started thinking about that and I looked at what the pilgrims had done so many years ago. And I started thinking, how would we do if it was nowadays? Number one, we wouldn't get into a boat that was that was less than par and go across the ocean at all. We'd jump in a plane or we wouldn't go. Somebody say amen. I don't know how many of us would really want to just jump on a six-month boat ride in the dead of winter that we would face near uh, death conditions. But I got to thinking about how where they were going, they were going for the cause of Christ. Do you know that the pilgrims made their journey to America because of the cause of Christ, because of what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, that they needed to let their light so shine before men. They needed to go somewhere where they could practice their religion with freedom and practice their ability to worship God and give Him the love and give Him the, 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 their worship without someone telling them how they had to do it. Because the King of England at the time was telling people what prayers they could pray, what Bible they could read, and what they could say. And they said, we can't live under these conditions. We've got to have religious freedom. And so they went to this America. But in the course of the one over one year that it took them to make the journey to this area of America and colonize it, almost half of them perished. And yet at the onset of a harvest, they had enough in them that they said, we're not going to, we're not going to have a day. Listen, I don't read anywhere that they had a day of of mourning. They didn't have uh, three days of coming together saying, look at the suffering that we've had to endure. Look at all the bad things that we've had to endure. They didn't They didn't say, let's make a holiday where we just pity ourselves because of all we've had to go through. I believe they looked upon it like Paul looked and like Peter said when he looked at Jesus on the cross. And Paul said, he said, this is nothing but light affliction. This what I What I used to think was hard is not hard when I look at it and think about what my Savior did for me. You all are awful quiet for me in the house today. I wish that somebody had a recollection of what Jesus did on the cross like the pilgrims did because the pilgrims knew that something about thanksgiving. They knew that even when they had lost so many, it was still, God was still worthy of being thanked for bringing a harvest and bringing them through. Sometimes we get so caught in the situation that we are in that we can't see the future. You see, I'm telling you this morning, that the pilgrims begin to thank God, but I'm telling you that that praise is was still a weapon for them like it's a weapon for us today. And that weapon that they used in praise and thanksgiving for God was what was pushing back and pushing back the things that were stacked against them. It's because of that first thanksgiving I want to tell you that they were able to have a second thanksgiving. And
And it was because of that first Thanksgiving that they were able to have a third Thanksgiving. It was because of that thankfulness that they offered up to God when things didn't look right, when things didn't go right, when they had lost so many, no doubt they had lost sons and daughters and fathers and mothers and wives and husbands. Along the way, they had lost so much, but they didn't count all the loss. They counted everything that they gained. I've talked to you about this before, um, but the Bible recollects when when Matthew uh, was was called to be with Jesus, all of the other Gospels say that Matthew left everything and followed Christ. But Matthew in his own Gospel doesn't say, I left everything and followed Christ. He just said, I followed Christ. Because Matthew didn't count everything that he lost along the way as anything worth talking about. All he knew was what he had to gain. And I'm telling you today that what we have to gain is so much more than we could ever have to lose. I know I've taken you on a history trip this morning, but I wish that we could get in a simpler frame of mind in this place this morning and begin to recognize all the things that we have to be thankful for. The settlers who lost so much were so still thankful, and they began to give God the first fruits of what they were getting. They said, we haven't had very much increase, but the second we get some increase, we're going to give God the first fruits of it. They didn't say, oh, I'm going to wait till I have a few years of harvest. They didn't say, I'm going to wait until everything gets better and everything's going well and we get new sons and new daughters. And I'm going to wait until the, the, the sting of losing my loved one wears off before I give God my fruits. He said, They said, no, we're going to give the very first fruits. You see, I'm, I'm convinced this morning that the reason that many of us stay in our weakened, beat down state is because when God begins to turn things around, we are still still waiting and waiting and waiting before we give him thanksgiving for what he's done when what we ought to be doing is saying God I see a positive increase I need to give you thanksgiving for that it may not I may not be all the way down the road to recovery I may not be completely healed in my body I may not have all my children serving the Lord but I heard him talk about Jesus the other day I feel a little different in my body today I may not be completely healed I may not have the fullness and wholeness in my body but I I feel something different. And I'm telling you, if we would say, I feel something different, and therefore I'm going to offer you my first fruits of praise, God. I'm going to give you thanksgiving, not for what I have that's completed, but what you're beginning to do in my life. So often we wait till the end to praise God. Anybody can praise God after it's over. Anybody can praise God and say, thank you, Lord, when they've already received the fullness of their blessing. Anybody can praise God when the times are good. But what about when you've lost everything? What about when you've lost the things that are so dear to you? Will you stop and notice the things that are good? The question that I want to ask you today is, how did you start your day? We talked last week. I've got to take this jacket off. We've talk, we talked last week. Tim, my jacket fell off. Thank you, sir. We talked last week about saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I just wondered, did anybody get up and call somebody today and say, let us go to the house of the Lord? You see, the question is, how did you start your day? I have to admit that many times I start my day with just cares. I wake up and I just start my day with worries, with 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 uh, the, the stress of what I've got to do in the day. 
immediately, as soon as my eyes are opened, oftentimes I begin to think about what all I've got to do in that day. Or uh, believe it or not, even on Sunday mornings, the first thing that I'm thinking of, as soon as I, matter of fact, Deidre, she, she goes to wake me up several times and I'm like, babe, I'm awake. I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm just, I'm here and I'm trying to put together, I'm trying to make my mind get in, in order of everything that I have to do. And even on Sunday morning, I'm sitting there and I'm meditating. Very first thing when I wake up, I'm meditating on the word that God is trying to put in me uh, for the day. And, I, and I'm, I'm just thinking, God, is that the word? I know I've, I studied it out and I know I put it down on paper, but is this the word that you really want me to preach to your people today? And I, I'm just pondering that. And so we wake up and we think about those things. And, and I'm not trying to glorify myself because oftentimes I'm thinking of those things in a, in a, uh, a kind of a criticizing way, saying, is this really what I have? Is this really what you're bringing? And so I'm stressing over it. And oftentimes we start our day just so stressed about the things that are going on and what what might be going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I'm telling you that the Bible says that his praise should ever be on your lips. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. His praise should always be in your mouth continually. You should lift up a sacrifice of praise. What is praise? Praise is thanksgiving. And what we're talking about today is thanksgiving. And I'm telling you that we should be praising God from the moment our feet hit the floor. And I'm telling you, if we would get a mindset change about it today, and we would wake up with his praise on our lips and thanksgiving in our heart, all of a sudden our circumstances would begin to change. I've got to ask you today, are you grateful? Are you thankful? In this society that we live in, we're kind of entitled. I'm telling you, we're, we're kind of an entitled people. And I'm not just keep picking on the younger generation. Because I've seen some, some mature folks that sure weren't acting very mature. I've seen some mature folks that seemed awful entitled. Because we've come a long way in modern advancement. And we, we expect to go to the drive-thru window and they have 90 seconds or less to take our order and give us our food. And if they don't, we're upset about it. And that crosses generational boundaries. I've seen it. But I'm telling you, if you are grateful, what are, are, are you thankful? Does anyone around you know how thankful that you are? Does anybody know it? You say you're thankful, but does anybody know it? You say you're grateful, but does anybody know it? Oftentimes, what people hear is not if we sometimes we are thankful, sometimes we we are grateful to what we have. But the reality is the thing that we voice is not what we're thankful about. It's what we're lacking. And so oftentimes people don't hear what we're thankful about, but they hear what we're lacking in our life. They hear the things that we don't have. They hear us complain about all the stuff that's not right. They hear us complain about the sickness that might be there. They hear us complain about the bill or they hear us complain about how this thing's going or who's treating me wrong or who's who's not doing this right or what my family members are doing. And can you believe they treated me this way? And I don't even want to. I started thinking about Facebook, but I'm not going to go down that path. But I'm telling you, so oftentimes we don't talk about what we're thankful about. But the whole concept of being thankful is something that we should audibly be saying every single day. We should, be, we should be a living, walking testimony of the goodness of God. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. If that word is true, and how many of y'all believe the word is true? 
if we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, then, then what do you think is lacking when we go around and we don't hear the words of our testimony being brought forth? I'm just pointing out, I'm just stating the facts today. What happens is we know what the word says and we know that we could apply it, but we don't apply it. And, and I'm telling you, if we would get a revelation that if we just testify about the goodness of God, then good things will begin to happen and I will begin to overcome. You see, so, so what happens is how do you show your thankfulness? Usually having a little bit makes us more thankful when something comes. I need to start that over and rephrase that for you. What happens is when you don't have very much, it's easier to be thankful when something comes along. I have noticed, and I, I'm as guilty as anybody of this, but when you have an abundance of something, when you have all that you need of something, when someone brings along just a little bit more of what you already have and they offer it to you, it's hard to be just overwhelmed with joy about that. I mean, imagine you had a, 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 a imagine you had a freezer full of beef. You just had a, you know, you just had a cow butchered and you've got a freezer full of beef. And along comes somebody and says, here's a pound of hamburger. Sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, man, you don't know how you just blessed me. You know, because you got 500 pounds of beef or something in your freezer. And here they brought you a pound of, you know, a pound of hamburger to help you out. It's hard for us sometimes to be thankful. And maybe I'm just talking about me. You know, I'm not talking about y'all. Is there anybody else who finds it sometimes that that when to, okay, just me. I'm just going to preach to me. All right. So I'm telling you that sometimes it's hard to be thankful when we are in abundance. But, but we ought to always have that same heart of thanksgiving even when we are in abundance. Brother Dave, we ought to be able to have 500 pounds of beef in the fridge. And if somebody brings us a pound of hamburger meat, be literally genuinely thankful for that how why how do we do that that's the question how do i stay thankful even when i've got so many great things because the truth is in this room today from the poorest to the richest every one of us there's there's not anyone in this room that's in real lack you you may you may want to argue with me about that but the reality is there are people in third world countries who understand lack There are maybe some people even in this country who understand lack. But I I dare to say that nobody in this room today understands the reality of absolute lack, that really knows what it is to be begging for bread, to know what it is to have missed several, several meals. So, So how is it then that if we have all these things that we need, if we have everything we have need of, how is it then that we can be thankful for the little things? That God wants us to be thankful for. And it's simply by this. By recognizing that all good things are gifts. And that you don't deserve them. You don't deserve anything. And I'm not trying to beat people up today. I don't deserve anything that God has given me. Every one of us gets that sense of entitlement. Where we think we deserve what God is. Oh, I've, I've got what I've got because I worked hard for it. I broke my back and, and I've just, you know, I've, I've, by the sweat of my brow, I've got all this. You don't deserve anything that you've gotten, but you've gotten it by the grace 
of God. Everything that you've gotten is gotten by the grace of God. It was his grace that allowed you to have the physical body to be able to work and put in those hours that you put in. Don't think for a minute that he didn't keep you and allow you. And the scripture says that every good and every perfect gift comes from the father of lights. I'm telling you that everything comes from God. And so then when someone brings you something like the one pound of hamburger, I don't know how I got a hamburger analogy. That was not in my notes. I wish I'd have thought of something better, but we're stuck there. If someone brings brings you the one pound of hamburger and you you look at it and you say my goodness I know I've got 500 pounds of blessing in my freezer but this is another blessing that I did not deserve it's something that was not mine to start with and it cost them something to give it to me and therefore I can be thankful and 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 gracious and grateful for what you are giving to me God because listen they are not the source and the butcher is not the source and you are not the source and your your bank account is not the source and your job is not the source but he is the source and the same source that may have given you 500 pounds in the freezer is the same source that's bringing along the extra pound because I'm telling you there's some irony in God and some epiphany moments that we have to come to you never know that maybe your freezer just went out and all 500 pounds of what you just had is just spoiled and no good anymore and now you've got enough you've got enough meat for dinner tonight all because you didn't you didn't turn it away and say no I'm not thankful for that but I'm thankful God for what you're doing even in the small things because I understand that it's none mine it's not anything that I've done by works to gain it's by grace through faith that I get anything that I get it's all by the grace of God when was the last time around that you let the people around you know that you were thankful for them I'm preaching to me today there are so many people as pastor of this church who are so gracious to us. Y'all treat us wonderful. And, and sometimes it goes without the right commendation. It goes without the right thank you. But I can tell you today that I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you who call, who text. Who, who take us to dinner, who take us to lunch, who who just care for us and pray for us and meet that you meet our needs in the spiritual world. And there are th- there are intercessors in this house that I don't even know the prayers that you are lifting up to God. But I want you to know today that I'm so thankful for you. When was the last time that you let God know how thankful you were for him? I'm not talking about at mealtime when you say, thank you, Lord, for this food, bless it to my body. And I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep prayer. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer where you're just thankful to God. I'm talking about when's the last time that you showed God gratitude, real gratitude. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for providing for me. God has provided everything that you need. I told you today, I've got several things on my notes here. I told you that I wasn't going to bring you some profound revelation. I'm going to bring you something that's profound. It's that we should be so thankful. And we walk around so entitled. We walk around so convinced that what we have, we deserve. But I can tell you right now that the truth is, What you deserve is hell. What I deserve is hell. Every one of us, the wages of sin is death. 
the wages of our sin was death. We, not death in, in, the, in a sense. That scripture doesn't mean death, that we must die the carnal death of this life. But death, eternal death. Eternal death. Each and every one of us, if we were, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote a rap song right now. You guys are going to love it. You're not going to know what I'm talking about anyway or something. But Latrey says, Latrey says this. He says, mere sinners holding nothing but a fierce need. We never loved him. We pushed away his tears. I rejected his love, grace, kindness, and mercy, dying a thirst, yet willing to die thirsty. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We didn't deserve his love. We didn't deserve that Jesus would come and die on a cross. And yet each and every day we go through the day without giving thanks to him. Without giving a gratitude to God for all the good and perfect gifts that he's given us. When was the last time that you just bowed your head and said, God, thank you for my children. Thank you for entrusting me to raise these kids. Thank you. Maybe you don't have children of your own. Maybe you work with the youth. When was the last time that you said, God, thank you for the youth that come to our church? Thank you for their life. Thank you that you put them in our way. Thank you that thank you for every mistake that they make. That's crazy. Thank you for every mistake that they make so that we can teach them, so that we can show them how to have correction with love. Thank you for bringing them in no matter how rough they look. Thank you for this church. Thank you for my church, God, that has been there for me. Maybe the pastor didn't call me when I was sick, but somebody did from my church because we are the church and we are the body. We are the believers together. Thank you for all those people that you've put around me. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for the helpmate that you gave me. Thank you for those who have come alongside me. Thank you for friends in my life, God. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my career. Thank you for giving me breath again today. Thank you, God. Thank you for providing all of my needs. Thank you for blessing me. Stand to your feet with me in this house this morning. I promise you next week I will bring you some new revelation of the scripture. I promise you that I will bring some new nugget from the word of God next week. I know because the Holy Ghost is faithful. But this week, I couldn't get away. I, you know, I, I actually have a clever sermon. It, it wasn't originally mine, but it was one I found. I, I preached it several times called Thanks Living. Pastor Pete Keene preached it originally. Thanks Living. It's, just, it's clever, and it, 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 will, it will challenge you revelatory. But what I'm telling you today is God didn't want any of that. God just wanted you to be thankful. God wanted you to know that come this Thursday, when you sit down with your family, and you're sitting around your big meal, or you're, or you're eating your happy meal, whatever it is for you, this Thursday, you've got so much to be thankful for. It's not, it doesn't just revolve around your food on your plate. And it doesn't even just revolve around the family that you're going to be with. 
more than anything, it revolves around the man who came and died on the cross. You know, I, I want to close with this. We are all thankful and we are all worshipers in the right season. We're all great to worship when the timing is right. There was something profound. I was getting prepared for the funeral service that I did yesterday. And I, be, I was reading the story of Lazarus. And something struck me that I'd never seen before. Maybe you've seen it. I didn't see it. But it says that when, when Jesus finally came, you all know the story. Jesus came. He was late. He was late on purpose. Lazarus was dead. I know I've got you standing. I'm not going to keep you long. Lazarus was dead. But here, it, it, the Bible says that Martha ran out to meet Jesus. But Mary stayed behind. This is the same Mary who was in the house with him just prior. The same Mary that was the worshiper, that was worshiping him with her tears and wiping his feet. And all she was just giving her his thanks, all her thanksgiving and all her love and all her worship. And now when her brother was dead, Mary, the cook, the worker, She's the one who ran out to meet Jesus. She's the one who remained faithful and steadfast. Matter of fact, the scripture says that Jesus had to tell Martha to send for Mary because she would not come on her own. And I just wonder today how many of us are, are somewhat like that where we will thank God and praise God and worship God when it's good, when the moment's right, when there's people around me to see me worship when there's people around me to hear my worship, when there's people around me to hear my testimony, will I testify of God? But when the going gets tough, when I've lost things, will I be more like the pilgrim and say, I see an inkling of hope, therefore I'm going to offer praise to God. Lift your hands right where you're at in this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, simple word. Lord, nothing complex to think about. Nothing mentally challenging to go home and chew on. But simply this. You died. You rose. Because you love us. And God, for that reason, we should be eternally grateful. Eternally thankful. And God, I pray that you would challenge each and every person here. God, as they leave this place and go throughout this week, when the season even starts that we celebrate your son's birth, that before any of that happens, before we get caught up in Christmas season, before we even start worrying about the turkey and all the fixings, God, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we would wake up and say, I will offer him the fruit of my lips, the acceptable sacrifice with a heart of thanksgiving. With a heart of thanksgiving, I will lift up my King. I will lift up my God. Lord, we thank you one more time for your gift on Calvary. We thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the gift of life eternal. We thank you for the gift of, of relationship with you. And God, we're even though we're a, a fast-paced people, God, I pray that you would slow us down, Lord, and cause us 
to be so thankful to you in this coming week. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.